0: Everybody, Merry Christmas. It is great to see you. My name's Paul. It's my joy to welcome you. And this idea of joy, celebrating joy to the world, I was thinking about it. And I, I got to tell you, some of my most joyful memories in all my life was as a kid growing up at Christmas time. In fact, we've kind of been sharing some traditions. I'd like to tell you some of my family's traditions growing up as a kid. Like number one, we always had to decorate the tree. And I wanna tell you in our house, we had this artificial tree and it was the most, it was the gaudiest, most over decorated tree you've ever seen. Another tradition is we always had to wash all the cartoon Christmas specials, right? Oh. Man, you had to see Frosty and Rudolph and Charlie Brown and and Santa Claus. And then on Christmas Eve, here's another tradition. I don't know if you guys had this one. My mom would always bake these Christmas cookies, but we'd always leave a plate of cookies and milk out for Santa. Any of you have that tradition? And then here's another, it's not really a tradition, I don't know why, but on Christmas morning, I would always be the first one to wake up in the morning. And I don't know why, it was usually like 4.30 in the morning. And I would slip past my brothers, I'd go down the stairs, I'd go around the corner, and friends, there before my eyes, there it was, Christmas magic. Like the tree lit up in all its glory, and all these presents under the tree. And I would remember, I would just sit there, and it was just so peaceful, and I was just so filled with joy. Now, another tradition is my parents, they had this one Christmas rule. In my house, my parents said no waking up mom and dad before seven o'clock. That was the tradition. And so about 6.45, we would like camp out in front of their bedroom door and we would just count down the minutes. And I'm telling you, the second that it turned seven o'clock, we would burst through the door, jump on their bed, mom and dad wake up, Santa came, Santa came. And then I don't know what it is, but another 20 minutes of parents putting on their (laughs) bathrobes, making their call Man, stinking parents are so slow. Now, 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 the funny thing is, now I'm the parent, and uh, we're <laughs> passing on all these traditions, right? And then we'd sit around, we'd open our presents, and man, it would be a, like this feeding frenzy of papers and bows, and man, we'd just celebrate. And then as quickly as it began, friends, the sad part is, man, then it was over so fast. Like, then we'd gather up all our toys and new socks and underwear, because You can't have Christmas without socks and underwear, right? And we take all our stuff up to our bedrooms, but then it was over. It was like the joy was gone. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I was grateful for every present, but there was always like this Christmas letdown. Like I felt the joy, but it didn't last and even as a little kid, there was something inside of me that was just thinking, man, there's got all this buildup, there's gotta be something more to Christmas than just this. And friends, there is. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning as we have our message, maybe this Christmas, joy joy. In fact, we have an outline for our message in your program. It's this bright pink sheet. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. And I want you to see right off the top that the core emotion of Christmas is joy. And we read about it in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This is what it says. But the angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of what? great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now would you underline the phrase, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Friends, when it says all the people, that means you, and that means me. For all of us, there's good news, and and this is what I believe, man. This is what I know. My guess is most of us here, we could use some good news, right? Most of us here, we could use a little more joy in our lives. And can I tell you, even to this very day, God continues to interrupt our history to say, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you, regardless of your circumstances, there is good news of great joy just for you. Now, I want you to think about what comes to to mind when you hear the word joy. What's the meaning of the word joy? Does it mean you walk around feeling happy all the time? And if you don't feel that way, does does it mean you're supposed to fake it? Friends, listen. Joy is so much deeper than that. Joy goes beyond our circumstances. Joy is stronger than the ups and downs that we all face in life. Friends, joy is this confidence that I have in the unconditional love of God. Joy is this assurance that my heavenly Father will never leave or forsake me. I love how Christian author Kay Warren defines joy this way. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. That's a great definition. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to share with you one last definition. I think it's the simplest and yet the most profound definition of joy. It goes like this. Joy is a delight in life that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. A delight in life. Man, I want that. I want that, don't you? It's, it's where, and it's the idea that joy becomes like the baseline for living. Now, I gotta be honest with you. Truth be known, sometimes I don't feel delight. Sometimes I feel discouraged. Sometimes my joy tanks get depleted. Sometimes I find myself a little joy challenge and, and I want to be joyful, but I'm just not very good at faking it. Can I get an amen from an honest person? Right? I'm just, I want it, but I can't seem to get it all the time. The, and the truth is, let's all be honest. Look at me. The truth is sometimes life has a way of just sucking joy right out of you. In fact, it's so common. If that's happened to you, I want to say it's so common. In fact, I want to share with you three joy killers that hits every person in every place, regardless of who you are. Sometime through your life, you're going to be hit by one of these joy killers. And I hope you'll uh, walk through these with me. The first one's there on your outline. The first joy killer is simply speed and stress. Speed and stress. Can I say it faster? Speed and stress. Speed and stress. Can you relate to what Job said on your outline Job said, my days go by faster than a runner, and they fly away without what? Without my seeing any joy. See, one of my biggest fears for you and me in this time of the year is we get so stressed, so overwhelmed, so overextended, that we miss the joy that God sent for us. And friends, the truth is, it doesn't just happen at Christmas. For some of us, if we're not careful, speed and stress become the norm. They become the pattern of our lives where we have all this movement, but very little meaning, and then we lose our joy, our delight in life. In fact, I put a story there on your outline from the life of Jesus, and I want you to see this happened to two sisters. Here's a story, picks up in Luke chapter 10. Two sisters, they open up their home to Jesus, and this is what it says. Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, now check this out, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, and here's where we clue in that maybe Martha lost some of her joy because she asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, guys, listen to me. In all fairness to Martha, she, she wasn't doing anything morally wrong, right? She, she wasn't out shoplifting from the mall. She's, she's not out selling drugs. She's getting dinner ready for her guests. She's doing a good thing, but she got so distracted, so stressed out trying to get dinner ready for her guests that she almost missed that the son of God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords was sitting right there in her living room and she's worried about burning the pot roast. See, she almost missed it, but she's not the only one true story of a family at the mall and a little girl walks by and she sees a live nativity scene and she goes oh mama mama look there's there's joseph and mary and little baby jesus and the mom was so stressed out she said hey i don't have any time for that nonsense can't you see i'm trying to get ready for christmas <laughs> do do you see the irony in that statement i don't have time for that nonsense i'm trying to get ready for christmas Christ-mass. Friends, can I tell you this? This is so key. Because when you take Christ out of Christmas, all you get is a miss. Right? You miss it. You miss the point. You miss out on God's gift of joy. It's the first joy killer. Speed and stress. The second one, would you write this down, is sorrow and suffering. Suffering. And if you're here today, and if you've lost a loved one, if you're dealing with a painful breakup, if you're living in chronic pain, if you're in a season of sorrow and suffering, you can probably relate to the cries of the exiles found in Lamentations 5, verses 15 through 21 on your outline. It says this, Joy has left our hearts, Our dancing has turned to mourning. Our hearts are sick and weary, and our eyes grow dim with tears. And then here's the prayer. Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back what? The joys we once had. Do you know the reason the writer is praying this prayer is he knows that he can't just produce joy on his own. He needs God to do something for him that he can't do for himself. And friends, can I tell you, I know exactly what this verse feels like. This year when I lost my dad, when my dad died of cancer, man, I I had to walk through this season. And I still had to function. I still had to be a pastor and a dad and, and, and a husband. Yet I found myself, it was like my heart took such a hit that it was bruised. And so any little touch, any little stress, I was quicker to get frustrated. It was easier to be mad than to, to be merry. But here's what I did, friends. I began to pray this Lamentations prayer, and I want to tell you, God is slowly helping to bring my joy back. And if you're in that place, I want to tell you, God has a gift, and he can do that for you too. In fact, those of us who have lost a loved one this year, I want to share with you one of my favorite Christmas poems, and I want to do it in honor of our, of our lost loved ones. It's called, My First Christmas in Heaven. And I just want to read part of it. It goes like this. I see the countless Christmas trees around the world below with tiny lights like heaven stars reflecting on the snow. I can't tell you of the splendor or the peace here in this place. Can you just imagine Christmas with our Savior face to face? I'll ask him to light your spirit as as I tell him of your love. So then pray for one another as you lift your eyes above. Please let your heart be joyful and let your spirit sing for I'm spending Christmas in heaven and I'm walking with our King. I know how much you miss me. I see the pain inside your heart, but I'm not really that far away and we, we really aren't apart. So be happy for me, loved ones. You know I hold you dear and be glad I'm spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. Can I tell you, I, I find joy in knowing that my dad is in heaven He's at home with Jesus, and I will see him again. But it's been a joy killer, suffering and and loss. The third one there on your outline affects all of us. To a person in this place, the third joy killer is sin and selfishness. Sin, my sin and selfishness. Do you, friends, do you understand how that taints and and, and trips up your ability to experience joy in your life? I, I want you to picture it this way. Just pretend or imagine it's Christmas Eve and you're walking on the beach, beautiful day, you're enjoying the waves, and someone comes up, they're dressed like in Christmas, they're dressed up for Christmas, and they walk up and they have a plate of homemade Christmas cookies. Kind with the frosting on top. And and you love Christmas cookies. And they say, hey, Merry Christmas, would you like a cookie? Oh, I love cookies. And you take one, and as you start to walk away, you just trip a little bit, and you drop your cookie, and it falls in the sand. And of course, it always falls frosting side down, right? And you pick it up, and you want to enjoy it so much, but, man, once the sand's in the cookie, man, you just can't enjoy it anymore. It, like, robs you of the joy. And the sin and selfishness, they do the exact same thing, friends. I want you to see this in the the way King David writes Psalm 34. You know, in Psalm 34, King David, he was the king. He had all the riches and honor and power. He had all the cookies his heart could desire. He had everything in life to make him happy. But he was sinful and selfish and he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he killed her husband to try to cover it up. And I want you to look on the screens and see how it ruined his joy as he writes in Psalm 34. He said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Your hand was heavy upon me and my strength evaporated. He's saying my sin just sucked the joy right out of my life. But there on your outline, I want you to see God's solution. Because he starts Psalm 34 by saying these words, he says, "'Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven.'" Friends, you know that joy and forgiveness, they always go together. "'Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt.'" Who live li- whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Friends, here's what King David is saying. He said, when I tried to ignore my sin or tried to pretend that it was no big deal, it tripped me up. It tainted my life. It, it, my, he's, he's saying this, my guilt turned me into a grinch, right? That's what sin does. My guilt turned me into a grinch, He says, but then when I knew that my sins were forgiven and I knew I was right with God, it brought me back to this, to joy, to joy. And this is where Christmas comes in, friends, because that's why God sent Jesus as our very first and very best Christmas gift. See, God's Christmas gift of joy, would you write this down? His gift of joy is Jesus It's Jesus. That's why Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 on your outline says this, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will what? Save his people people from their sins. Save his people from their sins. Do you know how he did that? Do you know how Jesus saves you from your sins? See, yes, of course, Christmas we celebrate. Jesus came as a baby. He was born in the manger. But friends, he didn't stay in the manger. He grew up, lived a perfect sinless life, and then at the right moment, he died for our sins on the cross, paying the penalty so that your sins could be forgiven, so that your relationship with God could be restored. And then he resurrected from the dead so that you can know that there's life after death and receive the gift of eternal life. That's why the late Reverend Billy Graham, he always said this about Christ at Christmas. He said this, the very purpose of Christ coming in the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas. You see, the heart of Christmas is God giving you the most wonderful gift. And friends, it didn't come from a mall, it didn't come from a jeweler, it didn't come from a car dealer with a red bow on the top. God delivered his gift of joy in a manger. Can you see it? Can you see it, friends? Right in the middle, the heart of the word It's the clearest picture of joy, J-O-Y. In fact, write this down. Here's what joy is, J-O-Y. Joy is that Jesus offers you joy. Jesus offers you joy. It's his gift to the world. Yet at the same time, friends, can I tell you, it's a funny thing about gifts They're not really yours until you receive them for yourself. And I want you to think about all the joy killers. Are you stressed out? He'll give you the gift of his peace. Are you broken and in sorrow and suffering? He'll bring hope and healing to your heart. Are you struggling and guilty over sin in your life? He'll bring his grace and forgiveness when you receive the gift of Christ in your heart. In fact, I want you to to think of the Christmas story this way. Do you know the very moment that Jesus was born, we see it on your outline. In Luke 2, 7, it says this, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger because, now check this out, there was no room for them in the end. There's no room for them in the inn. Every time I read that verse, man, it always hits me. Like I always think, man, if that innkeeper only had known, like if he knew who was being born on that holy night, that Jesus, God's son, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if that innkeeper had only known who was being born, surely he would have made room, right? I don't care who's staying in the inn. He's saying, excuse me, but you're out. He would have helped them pack. He would have got them out. He would have gave Jesus the best room in the inn. Now, here's why I'm saying this. Because the innkeeper didn't know. But you do. And as you sit here in this moment, right now, you're the innkeeper. And you have a choice to make. Will you make room for Jesus in your home, in your heart, you see, this is how we're called to respond to joy. Would you write this down? The first step is you have to receive it. You have to receive it like a gift, the same way you receive your best friend into your home. You receive Christ into your heart. And when you do, look at what Ephesians 3, 17 says. When you receive Jesus, it says, and then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And he'll give you joy. That's our first response. But secondly, think again about the innkeeper. Can I promise you this? From that day on, if, Jesus, if he would have known that, guess what, the whole rest of his life, everyone he met, guess what he'd say? Hey, guess who was born in my inn? <laughs> guess who stayed in my place? The re- he would have spent the rest of his life telling everyone about joy. Jesus offers you And see, our response is we need to share it as well. Like spend the rest, once you receive joy, we spend the rest of our lives sharing joy, telling people, hey, Jesus offers you hope. Jesus offers you forgiveness. Jesus offers you eternal life. Like to live your life like the shepherds did in Luke 2, 17 through 19. It says, after seeing him, the shepherds what? told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often well I want to close by giving you a chance to receive and share God's joy right now as we pray together would you pray with me like if you're here this morning and you know that this is your day to open your heart to receive God's gift of joy and ask Jesus to forgive your sins and be your savior. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you, would you just slip up your hand because I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want to pray for you. If you're saying this Christmas, I want the joy of Jesus, of knowing that he's forgiven me. God bless you. And if you're here this morning you're saying man Pastor Paul I am so stressed out and so overwhelmed by life I, when you talked about losing joy man would you just pray for me that God would give me my joy back if you need that prayer would you raise your hand I want to pray for you so many of you and for those of you if you're here today and you man you're you're going through a season of loss and suffering broken relationship you lost a loved one and you're hurting and you need God's comfort and joy would you slip your hand up if you've lost a loved one or the holidays are hard for you let's just pray right now would you just pray Jesus the best way I know how I open up my heart to receive your gift of joy come into my life and be my savior and Lord And Lord, for those of us who are struggling with stress, would you be our prince of peace? And for those of us who are suffering pain and sorrow and loss, would you bring comfort and healing and hope? And for those of us who are broken by sin and shame, thank you for the cleansing forgiveness and amazing grace we receive when we receive Jesus into our lives. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.